uh, today that Brother Paul Dixon would take time out of his schedule uh, to come be with us, to talk to us, to teach us, and we're going to invite him to come right now. And uh, we appreciate Brother Paul. I've known Brother Paul for a long time, a great man of God. God's using him mightily in, in Amy, and uh, we're excited. Uh, I believe they're entering into a building program into that part of church growth, and we're excited about that. Everybody say, God bless Brother Paul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. I was telling you, Pastor, I just to see what the Lord has done for this church, and I don't mean just the building itself. That's that's just a wonderment to me. But it's so great and just just fills my my soul to see what the Lord's doing, Pastor Murphy, for this church and for the wonderful people here. And can we just thank the Lord for that right now? I mean, I think He needs a little praise and a little glory and glory. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing out here. Thank you, Lord, what you're doing at Grace Church, oh, Lord. Thank you for keeping your hand upon this church and your pastor, oh, God. Lord, that you might be blessed and honored and glorified, we give you. Let's clap our hands under the Lord. Our Lord. We've been, we've been walking, we've been going around to different churches in the Hammond area, looking at different places, and, and uh, I'm going to get our committee together. If you don't mind, I'd like to come one morning and have them see what you've done here, Brother Murphy. And uh, we're excited. We, uh, we've, we've purchased our property, and uh, we got it paid for, and we're just about ready to start the building, and, and we're excited. We're excited. Uh, I'm going to do a little housekeeping first, and I use the word housekeeping because I know that it would get all you men's attention. <laughs> and actually, it kind of it declutters my mind a little bit. But uh, I, I counsel folks sometimes, and marriages and all, and and they come in, and I'll, I know your pastor will tell you this. They might be a little embarrassed every once in a while what they're going to tell you. And I say, listen, there's nothing I hadn't heard. Don't worry about it. Either I've heard it already or I've been through it myself. So <laughs> have at it. And I was talking to this couple one time, and, and he says, he says, I'll tell you what our problem is, Brother Dixon. I said, well, what is it? Let me give you one example. I said, that's about all I can take. Give it to me. He said, for two weeks... There was a piece of paper balled up in the kitchen, in the corner of the kitchen. And I passed by that paper every day for two weeks, waiting for my wife to clean it up. He said, what do you think about that? How do we solve that problem? I said, you walk over there, you bend down, and you pick the piece of paper up, and you put it in the trash can. And I said, all your marital problems will go away. Intentional. We, you know, somebody once told me one time a simple thing. They said, you know, people won't do what they don't want to do. And unless they're inspired, encouraged, let me tell you, people's not going to do what they don't want to do. So, just thought I'd pass that little bit. That was good. I got to follow Brian and Jason. Where's Jason? Where's he at? Yeah, I got to follow you and Brian. I want to go first. If I ever get invited back, which may not happen, but if I ever get invited back, I want to go first next time, Merrill. Okay, you put me on the line first. I know you're all, all nervous right now. I know that. I can see. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. We all know that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
And I want to pay homage to every one of you today because when you walk through that door, let me tell you what I see, Brother Brian. I see the substance and the evidence of your faith here this morning. And a lot of times we get all kind of wrapped up on the things hoped for and the, the things not seen, and, and we look at faith as crossing our fingers and making a big wish. That's not what it is. Faith is substance and it's evidence. Hallelujah. And this morning, my prayer is that every one of us today, that our faith grow by the word that we're hearing this morning, that your faith grow and my faith grow. I think we need to thank the Lord for his word this morning. Thank the Lord for what we've heard today. We've been encouraged already, hallelujah. We've been inspired already this morning. Praise the Lord. Reports go all the way to a meet, Brother Murphy, on this church. Good reports about you, Merle, and and, and Brian, how Brian has given such wonderful Sunday school lessons. And, and I mean, we hear it all the way in meet what's going on here at Grace. And I thought, you know, I, was, when you took over pastorship, was, was it still Grace? Has it always been Grace, brother? Wasn't Grace? When did it become Grace? You, you, you decided to change it to Grace. And I thought, you know, how appropriate. We are in the dispensation of Grace. Paul speaks about the mighty works of grace. And what an attitude in a church and in a people to be represented, I think, in these last days, hallelujah, when people need grace, when they need strength and mercy from God, they can come to a place where there's grace, hallelujah, being poured out in the sanctuary. I'm thankful for grace and this grace. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, I got one more housekeeping thing to do when we get on the way here. I know what y'all looking at. Y'all watching me with this stick. I know. Oh, he's got a stick. This is my victory stick. Victor, you know a little bit. This is my victory stick. I told Vernell, if she comes in here, she better be careful. I got a stick and I'll use it. I use the stick every once in a while. Let me tell you why, because I like attention. It gets me sympathy, Merle. When I walk into a restaurant, to the buffet, they'll put me right in a stick real close by. <laughs> I keep it in the car in case I need it, Brian. And when I get there, I kind of lean over just a little bit, you know, not much, just a little bit. And maybe I'll get me a close table to the buffet. Praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. This is my victory stick. Let me tell you what it reminds me of. Two years ago, I had a diabetic condition in my foot. It was called Charcot, C-H-A-R-C-O-T, French. Charcot. And essentially what it is, all the bones in your foot become disconnected. And you walk around on a bag of bones is what you walk around. And so when that first happened to me, I'd never heard of it before. Six months in a wheelchair, two months on a walker, and then every time I go to Ryan's, I got this with me now. Stay with me. Stay with me. But you know, after about four, five months in that wheelchair, in that house, and every day I'd go to the website, Brother Murphy. I'd go to I'd Google up 
sharply. And what I read literally scared me to death. Because according to the website, I shouldn't be standing on a foot right now. I shouldn't have a foot. But one day I woke up, Troy. I said, what am I doing going to Google? I need to stop Googling it. I need to start Bibling it. Listen, don't Google it. Bible it. And I turned that sucker off and I took the word of God out, Jason. And I began to see what the promises of God were for me. And I said, I don't care what Google has to say. I'm going by the word of God. I'm believing and trusting in God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, this is a victory stick. And I've used it at prayer meetings. Remember that prayer meeting we was at? And they had a guy bigger than me there. Can you imagine that? He was jumping and a shouting. The refrigerator was sliding all over the floor of the kitchen. We was having a time, and I was kind of relegated to the little, uh, to the recliner, the leather. I kind of, I kind of just drift off to recliners when I come into people's houses. I just head straight for the recliner. And I'm sitting there, and, and they were having this big shout, and they were doing all this stuff, and they were crowded. And I wanted, I wanted, there was one fellow needed some prayer, and I wanted to get, I wanted to lay my hands and pray with him, not because of me, but I wanted to be involved in it. And I couldn't get to him, so what did I do? I took my old victory stick. And I stuck it out. And I said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Listen, Moses had a stick. Aaron had a stick. Let me tell you, God will use anything. Hallelujah. I'll give you a quick Bible story. As long as I got a cane, I'm able. I'm able to praise him. I'm able to lift him up. I don't care what your problem is. If you're in a wheelchair, if you're in a hospital bed, if you got breath, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Hold this down. I might need it in a minute. Praise the Lord. All right, on to business now. Brother Murphy, thank you. Brother Merle, thank you. It's an honor to be in this place, this wonderful, wonderful house of God. So good to see you at Grace Pit. Good to see you at Grace, God. Good to see all of you doing well. Good to have my son with me, Cliff, tonight, this morning. He got up and drove me here this morning. Mike, good to see you. Hadn't seen you in a long time. Good to see Mike tonight. Good to see all of you, sisters. Good to see y'all. And, Lord, you're growing, son. I remember about that tall running around. Praise the Lord. I want to speak just for a few minutes this morning. On leadership and followership. Leadership and followership. I believe, Brother Murphy, you, and you can correct me any time, but I believe, Pastor, that the dynamics of church leadership are changing. I believe the correlation and the blending together of leaders and followers are taking on a new persona in these last days. See what's happened over the years, and this is just from my perspective, Romanism has creeped in to the apostolic church. Romanism. What do you mean by that, Brother Paul? I speak with a little bit of authority. When the concept within Romanism is the hierarchy is way up here, and there's a vast gap 
between the lid. Now, I'm not undermining and belittling the biblical organization of the church. I believe in that. The Lord has put it that way. But I believe that because of the times, to use a word we're all familiar with, and the times that we're living in, that there's got to be a cohesiveness between leadership and followership like we've never known before, Pastor Murphy. We need to do our part, church. God has a place for you, for everyone in the body of Christ, hallelujah, and it's time for us to rise up as a team and to pull this thing together, to grasp the vision of your leaders and say, we are going to make this thing happen. Praise the Lord. Leadership and followership. I, I, this is the first, this is your first men's conference tonight? First men's conference. We need a men's conference in this area. We need it because of the times in this area, Pastor Murphy. Gas is getting too high to drive back and forth to Alexandria every day. But some folks. And I love because of the times. I love Jerry Dean and the men's conference he has at Tioga. And different, I love all of that. But we need something happening in this area, Pastor Murphy. And I'm claiming that this is the beginning of something great, Merle, that we are going to be able to offer the people in this area our own men's conferences. Praise the Lord. And men's conference is close to my heart. Years ago, I, I was involved at men's conference. I started a men's conference. So we did it for three years running. David, you came a couple of times, I remember, Brother Bunch. And several may have come. I remember that, Jonathan. We did it with Coach Beetle Bailey. And they were powerful, and they were, they were inciting, and, and they encouraging, and, and, and we, they, they were inspiring to us. And like you said, Brian, I don't know what's more nervous, to be in a, in, with a bunch of men and, or with a bunch of women or, or having Sister Burnell here to balance it all out. I don't know. Praise the Lord. But we are in need of this, Brothers Murphy. We are in need of something like this. And, and I want this to, to go out and to ricochet into the community and to our brethren that what an inspiring and wonderful time we had with fellowship today. It's great to be with the brothers in the Lord. You know, I went on a couple of missionary journeys down to Mexico and, and down to Juarez, and you went into Juarez, and it was kind of nighttime, and, and you might have lights in the city, you might not. You might have a traffic light work, you might not. And, and it was dark, and it was damp, and it was just, it was, and there I was in a strange country. And then I, as you get into the city, you're in a, you're, you're in a strange city, and you feel like an alien, and then. And, and, and as you get deeper and deeper, you feel like I'm really out of place, and, 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 and you begin to wonder, what am I doing here in the first place? And, but when we got to the church, brothers, and we stepped inside, I was home. And my sisters and my brothers and the Lord were there, hallelujah. I may be from Amit and you may be from Central, but I'm telling you, when we come together in the unity of the Spirit of God, we are brothers in the Lord. We are for the same cause and the same purpose. We're here for the same reasons. No matter what your role is, 
leader or follower. And we're living, I believe, in a time, Pastor Murphy, that those two particular arrows of responsibility are beginning to blend more and more, not doing away with leadership because we need organization and we need leadership. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there's a call to the people in the church, to you, brethren, right now, that no matter what role or place you have in the body of Christ, you are not only just a follower, you are a leader in your own right. Can you praise the Lord this morning? I tell the people at APC all the time, I said, I'm not here to create followers of me. I'm here to create leaders so that if I'm here or if I'm gone, no matter where you are, no matter what comes your way, you can stand up and you can lead somebody to the Lord because you know who you are. You are a child of God. You give a reason for the hope that you have inside of you. All of us are leaders in Christ Jesus. And I can tell that that concept is being put in place here. Look at the, look at the men and women that the Lord has sent here with talent, with purpose, with reasoning in their minds and their hearts to know, I want to be a part of something because, Pastor Murphy, I believe it with all my heart, you shared a vi- you've had a vision, number one, and you share the vision with your church. You get buy-in. You have to be a part. I, I put on the bottom of our newsletter, there's a place for you at the APC. I believe, Brother Murphy, there's a place for every single soul that walks in that door at grace. I believe there's a purpose, there's a place, there's a reason that God has sent everybody here, and that's so that we can work as a team and to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And I believe those dynamics are changing today. All of you are priests in the Lord, every one of you. You've got the same Holy Ghost from the pastor to the sound room. You've got the same Holy Ghost I've got. Look at your brother and say, I got the same Holy Ghost you got. I got the same Holy Ghost you got. Stand up in your mind, in your spirit, and say, since I've got the same Holy Ghost, I'm going to lead somebody too. I'm not going to leave it all to the pastor or to the assistant pastor or to the youth pastor. I'm going to stand up and be something for God. Leadership and followership. True apostolic. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to just talk just for a few minutes, and I glean a lot from what the Apostle Paul teaches and how he teaches. The Apostle Paul must have liked sports because he made a lot of reference to sports and athletics. He must have had some kind of, maybe when he was in Rome, I don't know, maybe he, he, he always said he kind of referred to sports. And I never was real good at sports. My, my two boys are much better at sports than I am. And my dad was a true athlete. Then I come along, Pastor Murphy. <laughs> but I've studied Paul, and Paul teaches a lot on leadership and followership. And he puts a lot of things into perspective. And Paul, if you ever study his literary Style, and I know that I'm taking a chance on a limb here going in front of Pastor Murphy and Pastor Murphy and there's so many Murphys here, I tell you. That's all right. I got, I got two Dixons on my side now. Praise the Lord. Something about when you, you, your family and your children or your sons coming to support you and work with you, it's a family thing, hallelujah. I know. But Paul used analogies a lot of sports or, athle- or athletics. 
He said, you know, he said, I fight not as what? At the air? No, he says, he says, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do any shadow boxing. He said, I'm going to bring myself into subjection. I'm going to bring my hands and myself up under my body into subjection. Now, my daddy was a, a lightweight boxer in high school and college and World War II. That's how, he got, that's how he got his cigarettes and his gum and his Hershey bars. And that's how he got a little extra money. He boxed. And, I, and, and then so when I come along, he, every Friday evening, he liked to watch boxing on that little old black and white TV in our living room. And I'd sit down with him only because I wanted to be with my dad. Only because I wanted to kind of be like him. I hated boxing. Something about just beating somebody to smithereens never appealed to me. But more than like, I didn't like to be beat to smithereens. I didn't like pain. But because I wanted to win my daddy's affection, dads, our children would do and go through many lengths to win our affection. And I'd sit there for the bunch, and as my dad would throw punches, and I'd throw punches with him, you know, and that's it, knock him out. And I was hoping to be knocked out the first round, then we could just shut that thing down, and I could go on and play somewhere. But, oh, no, full nine or ten rounds, you know. But Daddy loved boxing, and so I wanted to be with him, and I'd put up with it. I'd tolerate it intentionally with him to be with Daddy. But I... But my dad taught me some things, and, and I'm going to relate. Paul kind of wrote in a literary style of a boxer, and I'll explain that. But there are a couple of things I learned. I learned that, number one, don't waste your punches by beating thin air. Keep your hands close to your body. Draw your opponent into your space. Don't go into his territory. Draw him into your space. Draw him on your turf. Bring him into what you know. Don't, don't knock him out before you get him there. Bring him on in. Get him close to you. Get him some buy-in. Like he's in this fight with you too. We're both fighting. We're both in this thing together. Yeah, come on in. Come on. And the other thing that boxing taught me was lead him into position. Set him up. Dad said, get him right where you want him. And then you give him a surprise left hook to the old glass jaw. Like that. And Paul, if you really study, he wrote like that. He'd get out there and make a statement and draw you in. Oh, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I know. I'm in the fight for that, yeah. I believe that. And then he'd give a few more punches, theological punches, and boy, you get a little bit closer. Yeah, I'm right with you, Paul, on that. And then he'd hit you. <laughs> he'd hit you with a, <laughs> with a surprise left hook to your spiritual left jaw. And you go, what hit me? You saw that one right there. You got to see it to get the full effect. And Paul writes like that. Go back and study it. 
He'll make a statement, oh, yes, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I'm with you, Paul. But you read a bit further down. He draws you in closer and closer. And then he gives you that, oh, one, two, three. And when it comes to leadership, Paul did that too. If you got your Bibles and want to follow along, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 through 20. Somebody turn there and read for me while I get ready for you. Vic, you with me? I ain't scared you yet, have I? You still with me, huh? All right. I need me this one. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 to 20. Brother Murphy, Pastor Murphy, somebody was preaching in our church one day, and they kept saying, and the title of his message was, what time is it? Of course, he was talking about the time on God's calendar, prophetic time and all. And every 10 or 15 minutes, he'd say, what time is it? What time is it? And finally, this woman woke up, and she goes, 11.15. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 14, read verse 17, Brother Brian, if you, when you get it. In the Holy Ghost. Woo, and we shout and we, yes, that's it. I'm with you, Paul. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. And yes, it is. And aren't you glad that one day God filled you with the Holy Ghost, put righteousness and peace and joy in your life. Somebody tell the Lord, thank you for doing that. Now, Paul ain't wasted a punch yet. Like Muhammad Ali, he's kind of dancing around a little bit, you know. Drawing him in. What's the next verse? Halt. Paul said, now, if you serve God in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, then you are acceptable to him. And you are approved of men, not by men, not by men, not by mankind, but that within mankind you have found approval. You stand out from the ordinary individual because God has put something in you because you have been because you have become acceptable to God. You didn't accept him. This business of, well, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Listen, uh-uh, honey, it ain't about him. We accepted him. It's him accepting us. And we get accepted when we pray and he fills us with the Holy Ghost and fire in our life. Then we become acceptable to him. The man said, well, Lord, haven't we cast out devils in your name? Haven't we clothed the, the, the naked? Haven't we fed the hungry? Haven't we done all these things for you? And he said, well, depart from me. I never knew you. Meaning they were never accepted of God. To be accepted, we must have his spirit in us. And all of you, now I'm preaching to the choir, all of you know that. But I'm getting to a point that sometimes in our acceptability, sometimes in our self, in our approval amongst mankind, we stick our spiritual noses up just a little too high sometimes and say in our own way, don't you know I'm accepted of God and I'm approved among men. And all of a sudden we deem ourselves to be impeccable. 
impeccable. Just because, let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is not the end all of the end all. The Holy Ghost is only the beginning, Pastor Murphy. When you get the Holy Ghost, you're on the road, honey. Don't stop then. Keep going, brother. Praise the Lord. You're on the road to something that God wants to do in your life. I used to think when I got the Holy Ghost, I thought people's hair didn't grow. Men didn't have to get haircuts. I thought they didn't have to clip the fingernails. I thought their grass didn't grow at home. They got the Holy Ghost. Don't you wish? I wish I could find somebody shoulder to shoulder to cut my grass. <laughs> my wife has looked me straight in the face and said, when are you going to cut the grass? <laughs> Acceptable. You know, we all want to be accepted, Brian. We do. Like you say, you had kind of a, you figured out in your life you might have had a little bit of rough exterior, you know. You might not have, you might have interconnected with, with people, and you can be self-sufficient. I was the same way in a lot of times, a lot of ways. But down deep, we wanted people to accept us, didn't we? For who we are. And maybe not for who we are sometimes, but what we can be. Pastor Murphy, I know that when you see a newcomer walk through that door, when I see a new person come in our church, what do I see? I see what I said at the very beginning. I see the substance and evidence of their faith. Because they got up, they decided I'm going to church. They decided I'm coming to Grace. I'm coming to the APC. They drove up. They got out of their car, and they walked in that door, and they utilized whatever faith they had. And they need to be recognized in their faith that there's something, substance in them and some kind of evidence in the fact that they're here. Listen, when people come to church, they don't need to be downtrodden and fussed at and, and made fun of or, or condemned or criticized by how they look or what they're wearing, whatever. They are exercising their faith. I said, don't tear down a person's faith. Build on it. Build on it. Aquila and Priscilla came across Apollos. What they do? They brought him home, and they entertained him. More than likely, they fed him, and then they begin to show a more perfect way unto the Lord. But they befriended, and they found common ground. Pastor Murphy, when anybody walks through that door, there's some kind of common ground that you can relate to that person on. You got to look for it sometimes. But there's common ground there, and you find that common ground, and you build on it. Now, where was I, Brian? Okay, read it. Wait. You've been accepted? You got the Holy Ghost? You've been accepted? You're approved? And now he says, therefore. You see, here comes the left hook. Because there's a responsibility that's placed in every one of us for what God has done for us, the hope that he's placed in you. There comes with it a grave responsibility within the body of Christ. There are certain ways we are to act and interact. See, all what, all, all what has been said this morning just has all come together. Fitly, God has placed it all together. And what does he say, Paul says? Now, based on the fact 
that you've been approved and you've, you've been accepted and you've got the Holy Ghost and all these things and y'all shouting and hollering and y'all swinging from the chandeliers, but get down just a minute long enough to hear what I have to say. Stop. Therefore, follow after the things which make for peace. Whew. Well, Brother Paul, how, what's so profound about that? If you've ever been in a place, if you've ever been in a relationship, if you've ever been in a church where... <laughs> where all of a sudden there's just disruption and discourse and where whatever's going forth is not peaceful, you, you know what I'm, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But we are to follow after peace. What did the scripture say? Follow after peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. Well, we all get all excited about the holiness part. Yeah, I have the holiness now. You got to have holiness. If you don't have holiness, but what about the first part, Pastor Murphy? Follow peace with all men because if you don't, you're not going to see God either. So Paul says, become a follower. You see, we're called first to be followers. The Lord called the disciples and said, come follow me. We're all called to be followers. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul had the spirit of a follower. Let me tell you, to be a good leader, you must have been a good follower at one time. And if you ever want to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. If God will ever entrust you and me with great things, we have to be successful and loyal in little things. So he says, follow after the things which make peace. Next. My Lord. And the things wherewith one may edify another. I don't see youth pastor David Bunch here. I was hoping to see him because he told me something one time. And I don't know if he if he thought of it himself or if he had read it somewhere, it doesn't matter to me. He shared it with me. He said, you know what makes, you know what a leader is? I said, well, give me your interpretation. He said, a leader is someone that when they look behind their shoulder, somebody follow them. You're not coercing people. You're not begging people. You're not punishing people, threatening people. You're leading because you love people and you follow after peace and the whole goal of your, your mission in life is that you edify somebody in your life, praise the Lord. We have got to follow after peace and edification of one another. Listen, I don't know about you, but I need some edification every once in a while. Not above the Lord, but I need somebody to say, hey, you know what? You're doing a good job. Pastor needs that. Merle needs that. Brian needs that. Jason, whomever it is, they need to be told, you know what, I appreciate you. That was a good word today. I appreciate the example that you lead for us because in being a leader, we've got to be an example. And being a follower, we still have the responsibility of being a leader and an example because somebody is following you, Brian. When you, as the head of your household, look over your shoulder, you've got a wife and kids. When you at work on a Saturday morning, you'd rather be anywhere else but there. There's people following you every move. 
There's people watching. And as a follower of Christ, we must be sure that the life we live, the life that we lead, is an example of peace and edification of others. Let's give them the Lord just a little, a little praise right now. Lord Jesus, I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be what you want me to be, Lord. I want to step into whatever role you ask of me. I feel Holy Ghost right now, church. God, inspire me. Speak to my heart this morning, Lord. God, that I might step in and be what you need me to be for the body of Christ. You see, the dynamics are changing. The, the leader used to be the lone, and you touched on it, the lone active agent. And the follower sitting out in the pew, we were reactive. But the pastor of a church, the leader of a department or a congregation, they need some interaction more than just being reactive. They need you to be able and me to be able at any given time to stand up and to give a reason for the hope that we have on our own. And once again, I'm not, I'm not undermining or diluting the authority in the church and the organization of the church. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But there's going to come a time in your life, in my life, if it hasn't already, when pastor's not going to be around, Bible teacher's not going to be around, Merle's not going to be around, and you are going to have to stand up and lead the way to Christ on your own. I don't know what's going to happen. This world, our country is so divided. This world is, is, is uh, we all know, I'm not telling you something you don't know, but I don't know what holds the future in that sense. It may get so bad, I, I, I don't know. We may be dispersed. Uh, uh, I, I've gone to several conferences now on, on uh, church tax laws and, you know, hidden within the Obama health care is all kind of stuff against churches in health care. It's down on page 1,485, tucked in there, about all kind of ways they can get money out of us. But my point being is this that one day if we find ourselves in a situation where there's not someone around us that can give the support that we need, we have to be able to stand on our own two spiritual feet. When Paul said, I am persuaded, and he lists 14 things there, not a one's a sin, not a one of them's a sin, but he listed 14 things, and he said, I am persuaded that none of these will ever separate me from the love of God. You see, Paul was persuaded within himself. Pastor, it's the truth. You and I can get in that pulpit, and we can blast out all day long and exert every energy of our voice, our vocal cords can give. But the bottom line is a person must be persuaded within their own self that nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And nothing encompasses a whole lot of something. Nothing. So we need to be able in this day and age, the pastor of a church needs to be able to have confidence in you that you can carry your own. 
no matter what situation you're in. And I, I'm not trying to speak and put words in your mouth, Pastor Murphy, but I know that's part of your vision. That's part of your goal for your church, to build them up, to educate them, to encourage them, to edify your people back. Church life beats us down enough. We live in discursion and we live in, in, in confusion and we work in it and, and it's in the neighborhoods and, 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 and life itself just beats us down every day, tries to get us down. And when we come into the house of God, we don't need to be beat down again. I don't believe, Pastor. I'm not saying we don't preach sin and sin and, 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 and we preach with the word. That's not what I'm talking about. But when somebody comes in here, they're looking for peace. They're looking for somebody to build them up, to encourage them and to say, Lord, Help me, hallelujah. And they come to grace for grace. But we have to be able to stand, Brother Merle, on our own two feet. I'm going to do one last story and give an example that spoke to me in my life. When I was in the service back in the 70s, I was in Korea. I was a medic in the service. Like I said, Brother and I were kind of talking a little bit about it before. And we used to have to go on patrols in the DMZ zone between North and South Korea. And in this zone, it was kind of like a free man zone. Uh, when you're in there, uh, if a North Korean was in there, we could shoot them. If we were in there, they could shoot us. It was a free man zone kind of like. Now, except if you were at Panmunjom. At Panmunjom was the, was the center and, and the UN, that's where the UN was stationed. But if you went out on patrols, you took your own life in, into your own hands. And I was a medic. And as a medic on my helmet, Brother Murphy, I had a big red cross. Here I am. See me? And uh, we used to carry a, what would that would have been, a three-something magnum or something, a four-magnum, John, you know, gun. I scored expert, but I forget what kind of gun it was. But anyway, so there we are on patrol. And we had a second, you're not a second lieutenant, I hope, are you, son? Are you the first lieutenant, second lieutenant? Huh? Good. I was E6 when I got out. Specialist, seventh part. What's your field? MOS. All right. I'm, yes, sir. I'll watch what I'm saying from this point forward. Well, I was an E6 and a medic. And we went out on this patrol. And the medic was always the second to last. We had the rear guard behind us, you know, one guy in the back. One time we were out on patrol, we were going through a swamp, and, and you have to understand the Korean deer, they're, they're kind of small, they're almost the size of a Labrador. I mean, they're not, they're not very big. And they hide in the water, and they keep their snout above the water, and they hide from you. And so we were going through this swamp one time, and that deer jumped out, scared the living fire out of all of us. My rear guard jumped up, crawled over my, my back, my shoulder, and he was gone. And I was the rear guard then with a big red cross saying, here I am. But this day we were going on patrol, and, and we had a second lieutenant. And we have names for second lieutenants. I don't know if you know what they are, brother. We had, back then we had names. I don't use them today, but we had names back then. Fresh out of college, they really don't know a thing, you know, and they're green as they can be, and, and yet they're leading us, <laughs> you know. And we came to this area, this field, and he said, spread out, man. So we all spread out. 
I said, now move forward. I said, we're all moving forward. And we came across maybe about 30, 40 yards into this field. And all of a sudden, I hear, halt! Stop! Don't take another step! Second lieutenant. He says, don't take another step. We're in a minefield. My leader, my second lieutenant, names I can't say no more because I got the Holy Ghost on the church. My leader. You know, all of us in life have followed after things that we find ourselves in a minefield. I said, well, what are we going to do? Get the medic out first because y'all going to need some help. I don't know, he said. But let me tell you, the Lord goes before us. I believe that. The night this was in January, it gets cold in Korea. You ever been to Korea? You been overseas, Jeff Bear? It gets cold. Korea is an awful country. And we slept on the ground. We just had our sleeping bags. We didn't have a tent or anything. And it snowed that night. It was cold. It was miserable. And then we're in the middle of a minefield now. And all of a sudden, I said, he said, what are we going to do? I said, everybody, just listen up. You see, Brother Murphy, the follower had stepped in the role of leader. I said, look behind you. Look at the steps in the snow that we made to where we are right now. I said, we're going to turn around, and we're going to take those exact same steps back the way we got in. The follower had become the leader. And church, when you are outside of this church, and pastor's not around, find yourself in a minefield. You may find someone that needs God bad. And they need a way out from where they are. And you're going to be able to say, hold on just a minute. I know a way out of this situation. I'm talking about a follower who at any moment's notice, because of the inspiration, because of the anointing, because of the teaching, because of what you are and what you've been invested with, you can find you. You can step up to the plate. You can find yourself a way out because God will make a way, church, where there seemeth no way. Hallelujah. He's the way maker. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, I don't care what situation you're in today. I don't care what you're facing right now. All of us at one time or another are going to find us in a place where life is getting ready to blow us up. My God. Goes before us, Pastor Murphy, and he makes a way of escape for all of us. Can we give the Lord just 
a lot of praise and glory right there. Let me tell you what I learned that day, church. I learned that I would never follow a man who didn't know where he was going. I'll never follow someone that don't know where they're going. I'll never follow a man who does not have a clear vision and who's not willing to share that vision with me. I will never follow a man who could not recognize and admit his own shortcomings. And I would never follow a man who had not been a good follower at one time in his life. Because a good leader knows where you are. And a good leader shares his vision with you. And a good leader is able to verbalize and to express and to plant in you that very seed that grows inside of him for this church, for the kingdom of God. And that's what it's all about. We're, we're a team. We're together. And whatever role we play, whatever part we have, we all lead the team to victory. Good leadership. Good followership. I want the pastor, I want Merle, I want if you're leaders or Sunday school teachers or whatever in your department, if you do, would our leaders come up here right now for this church? Any capacity. If there's responsibility on you, placed on you, I want you to come stand up right here if you would, Pastor Murphy, hope you don't mind me doing this. And then I want all the rest of us to come up. And we're going to lay hands and pray on these dear men. Pray for them. And then when we're finished with that, these dear men are going to come and pray for you, each one of you. Because we're a team. We're a team. Y'all come on in and, and, and lay. You can lay hands too. <laughs> you're going to take a preacher, you got to lay hands. You can lay hands too. <laughs> 